But the Lord gave me this word for the church. And uh, in 2 Timothy 4, 7, it states this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have, what? Kept the faith. Paul's talking about fighting the good fight and keeping the faith as we go along in this Christian life. And he was talking to the church in Ephesus at that time. And I really believe he's telling them to finish strong. And how many want to finish strong? Want to finish this race strong as we go through? And I want to do it like the Apostle Paul. How, like he shared it in Second Timothy, I believe that's the way we need to go forth in our life. So my message this morning is living like a future Hall of Famer. Living like a future Hall of Famer. And I found a quote just this week that T.D. Jakes had put online. And he said this in this quote, Don't let your condition distract you from your position. Pursue your purpose with passion. Don't let your condition distract you from your position. Think about that. Who are you in Christ? Don't let your condition, don't let the situation around you distract you from your position and what God has called you as a church, what God has called you as somebody who's to follow the gospel. You know, Pastor Mike has been preaching messages on discipleship. And I believe that we are more than ever called to disciple and disciple people. And I believe this church is called to that. And we need to pursue your purpose with a passion. What is your purpose in life? What has God called you to do? You know, I, last week, Lois, uh, or two weeks ago, Sister Lois came up here with a young lady that she discipled. You know, she pursued that with a passion. You know, her husband's in the hospital, but she still pursued that thing that God told her to do. And she pursues it with a passion. Did you see what happened? Amen? So, living like a future Hall of Famer. So I was thinking about that, and in 1998, I'm a sports nut. I love football. I love baseball. And thank you for the New York Mets. I love them. I go down every, every year down to spring training and watch them practice and spring training. So this year, they're going into the World Series. Amen? But I love sports. And in 1998... The National Football League draft was one of the most anticipated drafts in the history of the league because of two very talented quarterbacks. 
And these quarterbacks were more than likely going to go number one and number two in the draft. So who are these uh, quarterbacks? Now, if you were a, a football fan, you probably remember. One was the great Peyton Manning, who played here for the Indianapolis Colts. The other one was a football quarterback, football player named Ryan Leaf. Peyton Manning, we all know. How many know Ryan Leaf? And like Peyton Manning, he had a great arm. Many considered Ryan Leaf the better passer and the better quarterback than Peyton Manning. Everybody believed that. In fact, leading up to that draft, most of the general managers in the National Football League and of teams in the Football League considered Ryan Leaf the better quarterback. And they were going to choose him number one. And as it turned out, one thing happened. Leaf wasn't ready. He was not ready for the National Football League, and he didn't really seem to take it all that seriously. He didn't pursue his passion. He didn't take it seriously. For example, he showed up to spring training or training overweight, 20 pounds overweight. And later, after he was drafted, and he was drafted by the San Diego Chargers, he called in sick one day to get out of practice. And then he went golfing. He didn't pursue his passion. He got fined by the coach. But it didn't change something. It didn't change his attitude. It didn't change his attitude. And then after losing a game, he has this emotional breakdown when a reporter asks him a question that he didn't like. <clears throat> he played so bad that he soon found himself on the bench. Amen? And eventually he got traded to another team where he never did any better. And then his career lasted four years. And a matter of fact, he's been voted the number one draft bust in all of National, League, National Football League history. The number one bust in the history of football. That's quite a distinction to have. And then there's Peyton Manning. We all know Peyton Manning here. Amen? Who is now almost referred to every time somebody talks about him. Future Hall of Famer Peyton Manning like it's part of his name. He's a future Hall of Famer. He is now, I believe, in his 17th year of playing football and having what a lot of, a lot of people would say a successful season because he hasn't lost a game this year yet. So I would think that's pretty successful at his age and 17 years in a position 
that gets, you know, he gets beat up every week. His team is 5-0. and They haven't lost a game. And then in the year 2000, there was another draft. There were seven quarterbacks were selected. Seven. The first six don't really matter. But the seventh player, the 199th player that was chosen that year was Tom Brady. The 199th player was Tom Brady. Or as he's he's called today, future Hall of Famer Tom Brady. And like Peyton Manning, he certainly is going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Now, how many know, Saints, it is very easy, very easy to look back and see why both these men had such great careers. In addition to their raw talent that they had, they have qualities that no other players simply have. They don't have it. They both have an obsessive commitment to be the best. They pursue. They both play with a team-first mentality. They both are singly, mindedly focused on winning the game. They pursue their purpose with a passion. They want to win. They want to be the best. They have the best attitude. It's easy to see them now as future Hall of Famers. It's very easy to see that. But it's important to remember that when they first came into the league, they were just like everyone else. Future Hall of Famer is a title they each earned over time. They each pursued it, and they each earned it over time. Now, when you watch football or any other sport, you can spot even today many of the players who will certainly someday be future Hall of Famers. LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera, all names that are that people know in sports, or even not in sports, because most of them do things outside of sports that make them future Hall of Famers. You see it in the way they play. You see it in their attitude. They play today like they belong in the Hall of Fame. Amen? They demonstrate Hall of Fame habits. Game after game, day after day, hour after hour, they play like their future Hall of Famers. 
with the habits that they're going to pursue greatness and pursue. And in the same way, those who finish strong in the Christian life, those who will be able to say in their final days, just as the apostle, the apostle Paul said, I fought the good fight. I kept the faith. You can spot them even today because they live today like future Hall of Famers. They have the attitude and they have the habits and the priorities that top tier people have. So this morning, I want to talk about how to be that kind of person. How many wants to be that kind of person? In 2 Timothy, which is the last letter that was written by the Apostle Paul, and he wrote it while he was in prison, he was awaiting execution. He was ready to be killed. And executed. And in Second Timothy is Paul's final farewell to the church. And in this letter it includes last minute instructions to his friend and protege, Timothy. Timothy was the spiritual leader of the church. That was in Ephesus. And there are three things, and I'm going to give three points today, this morning. Three things here that's in Second Timothy that show us what we need to do in order to live like a future Hall of Famer. A lot of times we use these scriptures for leadership in the church. But how many know, I've always said this, everyone's a leader here. Everyone can lead someone to Christ. Everyone can touch somebody's life. And if you can do that, you're a leader. And he's talking to the church. He's talking to Timothy. And he says, if you do these three things, you will finish strong. Number one, you need to hold yourself to a higher standard. Hold yourself to a higher standard. Verse 15 says this, be diligent to present yourself, what? Everybody, what does it say? Approved to who? To God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Truth. Another version says, as one approved. Approved. The word approved is one who has passed the test. How many have passed the test here this morning? You've passed the test. One who has met the requirements. Because at the beginning of this chapter, Paul gives Timothy three illustrations of what he's talking about. He compares effective Christian leadership, effective Christian living, 
to being, number one, a soldier, number two, an athlete, and number three, a farmer. He takes those three things. You're either a soldier, you're an athlete, or a farmer. He says in verse 4, no one engaged in warfare. How about you're in warfare this morning? No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as what? As a soldier. You are enlisted in God's army as a soldier. Paul is talking about living with total, total commitment. He's calling that if you're a soldier, you're a soldier full time. Because there was no such thing in the Roman army at that time as a soldier part time. They were full time soldiers. And how do they know there was no such thing as a part time warrior in God's army? This is, you're not a part time husband. You're not a part time wife. Come on, you're a full-time husband. You're a full-time wife. There's no time, no part-time father and a part-time mother. You're a full-time father and you're a full-time mother. There's no part-time having character and a part-time not having character. You either have character or you don't have character. There's no such thing as a part-time person with character. You're in this thing full-time. Pursue your commitment. You cannot fill these roles part-time. It's impossible. If you're in all the way, or you're ultimately out. Paul is saying, hold yourself. Hold yourself to a higher standard. A standard of total commitment. In verse 5 he says, And also if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to what? According to the rule. In this verse, Paul's talking about personal integrity. Something that's very dear to my heart. Personal integrity. Because it does not matter how skilled an athlete you are. Or how skilled you are. If you're playing like the rules do not apply to you. I don't care how much scripture you know. The rules don't apply to you for the rest of your Christian life. I don't care if the athlete is that great. Because we've seen it. We've seen this happen to so many superstars. So many would be Hall of Famers. I don't have to name them all. You know who they are. You read them in the papers. You know what they've done that have 
stopped their move into becoming future Hall of Famers just to take a shot one more to get myself bigger or what it may be to win that race. Does it happen? Paul is telling us to hold ourselves to a standard of integrity. Somebody say integrity this morning. A standard of integrity. Talent means absolutely nothing. And potential means nothing if you have no integrity. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how well you could preach. Doesn't matter how well you could sing. Doesn't matter how well you could play. Doesn't matter how well you could uh, share script. It doesn't matter how well. Unless they see how you live it. And you hold your integrity. It doesn't matter how much talent you have. Unless you don't, you don't have integrity. Talent means nothing. Potential means nothing if you have no integrity. Then Paul uses an example of a farmer. The verse 6. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. What is he talking about? What he's talking about here is patient expectation. We are not patient. We want to see everything change right away. We want to see, oh, God. We're not moving fast enough. Glory, Doc. We're not patient. We're not moving fast enough. We're not doing anything fast enough. Another phrase to describe it would be delayed gratification. I'm not gratified. When is it going to come? When is it going to come? You see, most of the time, the farmer works all year long without compensation. Now, many of you know that because we live in farm country, amen? I live with brick and mortar, but I learned in the last 20-something years, 23 years, a little bit about farming. But most of the year, they live without compensation in anticipation of what? A brief season of harvest. It's only in a brief season of harvest. He's not like many of us here this morning who get paid every week or every two weeks or once a month or year long. Amen? He's, he's not like us. The farmer, he works months and months without pay in expectation of the big payday that comes with the harvest. There's a harvest coming, saints. And we need to wait with expectation of what the harvest is going to bring. And you know what it takes? It takes Discipline. 
It takes discipline and it takes patience. We're not moving fast enough. We're not growing fast enough. We're not doing... No, no, it takes patience for the harvest. Because it's not by might, nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Paul is saying the Christian life is no different. We are no different here. You will reap the harvest, but the proverbial payday may not land on the 1st and 15th of every month. Well, you know, this Sunday we should have more. Next Sunday we should have more. And then the next Sunday, no, it doesn't work that way. There will be seasons when you give a lot and don't see much in immediate return. You see, when this happens, you know what happens, saints? Lesser people quit. Lesser people leave. Lesser people say, forget it. Lesser people give up. Paul says, do not be one of them. Hold yourself to what? A higher standard. Hold yourself to a standard of total commitment. If you do something, do it all the way. Not halfway, but all the way. It applies to your marriage. It applies to your career. It applies to your health. It applies to everything in your life. Hold yourself to a higher standard. Jesus. Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes 9.10. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. Do it with all your might. Not halfway. And then Paul said in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it. With what? All your heart. As working for the Lord, not for men. You're not working for men. You're not working for, you're working for the Lord. You're working for God. You're not working for the music ministry or how great the music is. You're not working for pastor, how great he preaches. You're working for the Lord. To hold yourself to a higher standard. Hold yourself to a standard of personal integrity. Hold yourself to a standard of patient expectation. Uh, here's a quote from Jerry Rice, the greatest wide receiver in all of history of football. This is what he said. Today I will do what others won't, so tomorrow I can accomplish what others can't. That's why he's the greatest wide receiver that ever played football. 
He's probably one of the best dancers I've ever seen, too. Because he won Dancing with the Stars. Anything he touches, he, he wins. You see, states, future Hall of Famers hold themselves to a higher standard. Somebody say amen. Now, the second quality that Paul tells us to develop, remember that people are your top priority. It's not about you. It's about the people that we are called to serve and to help. That's what it's about. Paul said this in verse 10. Therefore, I do what? I endure all things for the sake of who? The elect. For the sake of the elect, that they also, that they also may obtain salvation of which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect. that they also may obtain the salvation of Christ Jesus. His attitude was that if my being in prison here somehow serves the gospel and somehow can be used to bring people to Christ, then bring it on. Then bring it on. Because the people I, people I serve are more important than suffering that I will endure. You see, the future Hall of Famer understands there is no I in team. Let me say that again. The future Hall of Famer knows that there is no I in team. Because the future Hall of Famer is more important than me. Now, how many know that statement isn't grammatically correct, but it is theologically correct? Okay? We is more important than me. And will always be. Will always be. And Paul demonstrated that attitude in verse 2 of 2 Timothy. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. We're talking about discipleship. Teach others also. What he's saying is that the gospel is about people telling people. People telling people. Because how we know we learn 
from one another. We learn from one another. The future Hall of Famer pours his or her life into others so that they can pour their lives into others. It's called discipleship. I pour into you, you pour into them. Pour, and they pour into someone else. And we pour, and we pour ourselves out, and we give. Look at verse 22. It says, pursue righteousness. Pursue. Here we go again. Righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Pursue them. How many know we are more than friends here? And a lot of times we're more than just family. We're brothers and sisters in arms, fighting the good fight together, running the race together, keeping the faith together. This is the way God planned for his people to live. John Wesley said this, A man must have friends to make friends, for no one ever went to heaven alone. We need one another. We need one another. The future Hall of Famer understands that. Because we is more important than me. We is more important than me. We is more important than me. The third thing, see, I'm going to let you out early, be able to eat early. The third thing you need to do to live like a future Hall of Famer is to stick to what really matters. What really matters? Does the music really matter? What really matters? See, the church then is a lot like the church today. Amen? People then were easily distracted. And they were easily distracted over insignificant things. A lot like the church today, I'm sorry to say. We are easily distracted with insignificant things. One major difference today is that we have the advantage of recognizing Paul's authority. Amen? As the apostle. Because we know that he wrote these words by inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Back then, many people thought that Paul was just another preacher. Just another preacher. Some people did not like the message that Paul was preaching. Because he preached a gospel that all people 
regardless of race, regardless of gender, regardless of social status, were equal in the eyes of God. And that all people could be saved through faith alone in Jesus Christ. All people. That's what he preached. As far as Paul was concerned, that was the big picture. Amen? That was what really mattered. That people experience salvation in Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing. Not how they will get baptized. Not how they don't get baptized. Not how we don't. Is that you experience the salvation of Jesus Christ. But there were people who wanted to direct their attention to lesser matters and devote their time arguing about secondary issues. Secondary things. The problem with that, and the problem with this, is that these debates don't solve anything. They only create a will. That's all they do. They don't solve a solitary thing. That's why Paul said this in verse 23 and 24. But avoid, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate what? Strife. Verse 24, and a servant of the Lord. Are we servants of the Lord? Say, I'm a servant. Must not quarrel. But be gentle. To all. That means everybody. To all. Able to teach. And be patient. Another version states this. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. No matter how right you think you are. No matter how right you think you are. You don't have to resort to hostility. You can be right and gentle at the same time. And saints, it's not just silly arguments that Paul tells us to avoid. It's all kinds of foolish talk that we need to stay away from. All kinds. Verse 16. But shun. That means get away from. Don't touch. Profane. And idle babblings. For they will increase to what? Oh, wow. To more ungodliness. That will include criticism. 
That will include gossip. And that will include complaints. Because these will not get you to the finish line. They won't get you to the finish line. Well, did you see so-and-so? I can't believe it. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. They don't, don't know what they're doing. Uh-huh. Well, you know, you know. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, yeah. You ain't going nowhere. You ain't going nowhere. Idle babblings. Future Hall of Fame Christians keep their conversations focused on what really matters. What really matters? What really matters? Ephesians 4.21 Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearer. Colossians 4.6 Let your speech Always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one or every one. Saints, future Hall of Famers, focus on what really matters. Some time ago, it was a TV special. on ESPN, and it was about uh, Kurt Warner, another quarterback <laughs> who was a, a devout Christian. He's a real devout Christian. He was the quarterback who took the, the Rams to the Super Bowl twice, and then he took the Arizona Cardinals there in 209, and he's just a devout, devout Christian. He'll say Jesus on his interviews and he'll share about the Lord. He was eligible for the Hall of Fame this year, but he didn't make it. But I believe he is a future Hall of Fame. A future Hall of Fame. The TV camera was on there and they captured a conversation on the sidelines with uh, Kurt Warner. And he had this conversation with one of his receivers during the game. And this receiver, this player, kept asking uh, Kurt Warner, he says, you know what? Throw me the ball more often so I can get 100 yards in receptions. I need 100 yards in receptions. And Warner, and he said this on TV, he says, look, I will try to get you the ball, but what about winning the game? Saints, what about winning the game? What about winning the game? Isn't that more important? Is winning the game? And that's what we're here for, to win the game. You see, future Hall of Famers care more about winning the game, than racking up statistics. In the same way, future Hall of Famers in life 
care more about winning souls than winning arguments. Come on. And anything that stands in their way, any bad habit, any bad attitude that holds them back, they will abandon and leave it behind. Because they want to win that soul. They want to win the game. They know what really matters. And that's where their focus remains, saints. Let me end this morning. You know, every Sunday afternoon, every Sunday night, every Monday night, now Thursday nights, the National Football League holds Hall of Fame tryouts. These are games that are played all week long. And these players are trying their hardest to become Hall of Famers, each and every single one of them, since they were little kid children to big men, went to college, whatever they did, and to play. They've been doing this for every week of the season. Every player has an opportunity to play with a Hall of Fame mentality. Every Sunday morning that you're here, every Wednesday night that you're here, every time there's a prayer meeting, you're here. you have the opportunity to become and have a Hall of Fame mentality. You see, it's what players do week in and week out that determines their future. It's what we do week in, week out, uh, day out, every, every time, 24-7, every day of the week. That determines our future. Every day of your life, you have the opportunity to try out for the Hall of Fame. 24-7, you have the opportunity to become a Hall of Famer. Every day of your life, you have a chance to live like a future Hall of Famer. Don't live like a second stringer. Live like a Hall of Famer. Every day of your life, hold yourself to a higher standard. On the job, in the school, wherever you may be, in the grocery store, at the gas station, where you hold yourself to a higher standard. Every day of your life, remember that people are your top priority. Every day of your life, focus on what really matters so that ultimately you can say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. <laughs>